I'm Paul, if you don't know me, um, I think probably most of you do, but if you don't, that's who I am. Um, I have the, uh, the privilege, and I will call it a privilege, of, of serving on the Board of Trustees. I say I will call it a, board of, uh, I, I will call it a privilege because there are moments. I mean, Ali, um, I, I, I thought Ali was going to preach just now, but um, I, which I would have been very happy to, but Ali will tell you that it's not always a blessing. And, and, um, uh, to, but um, that's probably more from the point of view of a senior minister, and now uh, Christian Angie are discovering what it's like. So I don't know how many people know who are on the board of trustees, people. I'm going to embarrass them now. So clearly we have the two, our two senior ministers, so we have Christian and Angie. Stand up, guys, even though everyone knows who you are. Look, you know, Angie just did this kind of look, which was like, oh, do we have to? <laughs> Honestly. Right, so they're obviously clearly. Now, our, our, our chair, or I think formerly our secretary, is, is, is Mr. Allen over there. So if you want to stand up, please keep as well. So I did say stand up. No, sorry. <laughs> Woo! Oh, I can resist that. You know, how, to, how, to, how to, you know, win friends and influence people. Um, and we also have Andrew Parr, who you saw earlier. So Andrew, if you would like to stand up. And Andy Brown, if you're watching online, stand up, please. <laughs> I know that people online, you can't see these guys. Now, these guys have, um, you know, we've um, had um, some interesting conversations. You can sit down, yes, all right, then. I was going to get you to stand up a bit longer, but these two decided to be leaders and sit down first. Um, um, it is an interesting job because um, it's, uh, these guys are all full of faith, I have to say. And in what is a job where actually we are trying to help uh, Christian and Angie and the leadership team here um, to run this, um, this church within the bounds of what is the law and in the bounds of what is the Charities Commission requirements. Um, there is a, quite a lot of constraint on that. So when you're trying to think faithfully, because faith is all about living on the edge, isn't it? A bit about pushing things out there. And so we're talking about wanting to fund things and wanting to uh, put money towards things and how much we pay people. All that stuff we want to bless. We want to bless, we want to release. But on the other hand, we know that we've got the law and we've got, um, we've got the uh, Territory Commission all the other requirements that we have that we have to demonstrate that we are, we are managing and governing this church in an in a, uh, important way, uh, in a correct way. And that actually creates quite a bit of a... Uh, a challenge sometimes but it is rewarding and I, I'm some some people have been serving on it for many years and oh and at Val Brown I've got my phone and I didn't put it on on silent but she's just said yes Andy's online and he stood up <laughs> thank you excellent love to love that in uh, Lanzarote I'm presuming or something like that um so yes um now the reason I talk about this is because we have been through challenging times recently, haven't we? Round, particularly around finances. And Ali talked a bit about the challenges, um, her word that she brought, which was so timely. It's brilliant. Thank you, Ali. Um, uh, you know, the, the pandemic, we've now got all this, uh, all the war in Ukraine and the, the inflation that goes with it. And it is challenging times. And we as a board of trustees have, we do try and set a budget. Um, and when you see a budget and you see things challenging you, as a church, you're thinking, uh, well, we, bet we need to put in 
cushioned because we expect giving to drop. But giving hasn't actually dropped. And that's down to you guys. That is down to you guys. You guys have continued to give faithfully. Um, and I thank you from the bottom of our hearts for that. On behalf of the trustees, on behalf of the leadership team, it is just such a blessing. Um, there is a perception, it's often a bit odd to talk about money and stuff in church and giving, but it is a requirement. Um, and we, just like any other organisation, need finances uh, so that we can do the things that we can do, so we can put fates on and we can put events on and that we can, we can honour and bless the people uh, who serve in the church. Chris and Angie, without wishing to embarrass them now, of course, they've taken up this role. They've given up, Chris has given up his role in, his job in, uh, as a secondary school ch teacher, uh, maths. He'd never mentioned he used to teach maths before, ever, have you? No, no, uh, just in case people didn't know. And, um, you know, to take on this church, and I know I was talking to Christian for a week, for, uh, last week, and he basically had all seven days he was working. And, and we have to honour that. It's important we honour that. We're important that we don't, we, we, as a church, give them enough finances. So, because they've still got mortgages to pay, they've still got kids to feed, and all this sort of stuff. And actually, all that becomes a stress and a distraction. And when we actually, what we want is to release them to enjoy the, all the, the wonderful things of leading a church like this. And it is wonderful, isn't it? You love it. You love it. It is. It's wonderful. So, um, you know, so it, it's important that we, um, we think about these things. So um, we're going to be talking today about um, money. We're going to be talking today about giving. Um, first thing I want to say is, while I will be talking about giving in the context of finances, um, that there are obviously other ways to give, aren't there? You can give of your time, you can give of your resources, you can give of your energy, you can give of your, your emotions, you can care, you care for people, help lift people up, all this kind of stuff. Um, all of which is important to God. And when God talks about giving, um, those are all things that God is referring to. But I want to kind of talk, uh, focus a bit about money because Jesus talks more about money probably than any other subject. Um, and uh, he, he says things around, you know, you cannot serve God and money alone. And he makes two main points by talking about money. One is that it's the biggest challenge for his lordship in our life. That's the first thing. Okay, so if there's going to be something that kind of supplants him in our hearts, it's most likely to be money. So that's the first thing that Jesus talks about. And the second thing that he talks about is about that money is a key part of our lives. There's a lot of scripture about the fact that people, you know, the poor need gifts, they need charity, that, that uh, money is actually something that we, is part and parcel of what, even though it's, we kind of think of it as a man-made thing, it's God recognizes it as part and part and a necessary part of his kingdom in terms of its operation, because that's the way the world works. Even to the extent that money was given and put aside so you could pay for the building of the tabernacle. You've got a bunch of nomads in the, in the wilderness who are building this tent thing, and yet they still talked about there was still provision to be able to pay the people to be able to make this thing and to carve all these wonderful things that they put in this tent in the middle of nowhere. So it's very much part and parcel of God's mind that he knows that's the reality of, of how we work. Um, so it can sometimes feel a bit awkward, can sometimes feel a bit challenging talking about money. We do know that there's lots of jokes out there around church and money and offering baskets, but it is, I won't call it a necessary evil in church, but it is, it does have an element where it can feel a bit like that. So um, we felt it was a good time. We haven't talked about, um, about giving for a while, so 
Um, we felt it was right now to just remind you about some of the uh, scriptural uh, requirements around giving. So I'm going to start. Um, actually, I like that. I feel like I want Christmas to come around again. Um, we're going to talk about this next slide if we go up to Chris first. This is the cross. We're going to start with this. Everything should start with the cross. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. A bit of audience participation. Um, he gave his only son. Jesus said he came to give life and life in abundance. And then when Jesus went to heaven, he said, wait, the, the, the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit that is like me, God will give that and pour it out so that people can dream dreams and prophesy and all this sort of stuff. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved all the time in giving abundantly. I mean, the cross is the, the, the ultimate example of giving. So do we think that God is a generous God? His, there is, God has set the benchmark for giving. And we surely want to become more like him. So we want to focus our attention on that as being a key part of his character, that we want to be generous-hearted and we want to be people that are prepared to give like he does. So some fundamentals on the next slide. Um, so I put some scriptures up here, um, but I'm not going to go into them. I just want to say these are some fundamentals before we get into giving um, that we need to remember. That the Bible sets down for us that God owns all things. Okay? Happy with that? God, you can look up these things if you don't believe me, these, these references. All things come from God. So if you add those two things together, what you also have is that we and all that we have belong to God. Okay? So everything that we have is God's in the first place. So if we're giving, we are just giving out of what God has already blessed us with and God has already granted us. Yes? Make sense? Okay, so um, before we get into the main scripture, um, Jesus had a very clear view uh, that he expects us to give. So next one, please. So the Lord, I said, oh, he expects and requires us to give. Matthew 6, verse 2, he doesn't say to his disciples, if you give. He says, when you give. There is an expectation of Jesus that, that as part of our outworking as us as disciples of him, learning to be like him, that generosity and giving and sowing into other people's lives financially in all kinds of other ways is part and parcel of the expectations that God has. Okay? So, are we good with all that? Good with all that. Excellent. I ask that question. One of these days someone's going to go, no, I'm going to regret asking that question. <laughs> right, so, if we want to find out about giving in the New Testament, well, in Scripture, but the New Testament has uh, Corinthians, which is both books of Corinthians are very good if you want to have a look about guidance on giving. But we're going to focus on 2 Corinthians 8, and we're going to focus on 2 Corinthians 9. So I'm going to read through this. Now, um, I recognize that some of this is quite small font. Um, I would encourage you, because I'm going to be going through this um, and pulling stuff out, that it's probably worth going and looking at the YouTube video afterwards if, you haven't, if you're not making notes, um, because there's a few things we're going to be pulling out. But I will read through this, because I realize... I could have made it a bit bigger, so my apologies, but anyway. So, 2 Corinthians 8, 
So we're going to start with this, and then I'm going to just shift across 2 Corinthians 9 as well, just for a bit. Um, but it's not all the verses, it's just um, chunks from within them. So, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us. If you're reading uh, most translations, it would say to the Lord and then to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to excel also in the gracious acts of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give it according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scripture says, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. We're going to go on to the second Corinthians one now, Chris. Um, I want you to be—I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. So, this is the same conversation. Um, Paul puts in a little bit about Titus stuff in between, and then he comes back to the giving point here. So, I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this: a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will also have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Amen? Good stuff. It's a, it's a very clear uh, message that Paul is giving the church in Corinth there, and um, one, that, uh, one that I almost feel like he's going to be preaching for me, so I can go and sit down. No, I can't. So the first thing I want to um, bring out is comes out of verse 5. So I'm going to ask Chris just to go back to verse 5 in the first section. Um, uh, which is, it says, they did even more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord, and as I say, most translations don't say, and then to us. 
just as God wanted them to do. Our giving must always start as giving to the Lord. We've just talked about the cross. Um, We've just talked about what God has given to us. And God talks about, in in, um, in uh, the Gospels, Jesus talks about, you know, where people say, will say, um, you know, when have I robbed you? And he'll say, because when you had all these people, needy people come to you and you didn't give to them, then you robbed me, you know. And when have, when have if, if for everyone that you give to the least of these, you're giving to me, yeah? So the first thing that we need to remember is that when we're giving, we are giving to the Lord. Our giving is ultimately to the all-seeing Heavenly Father. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 3, this, when you give, we, we, we looked at that a bit earlier about when you give, not if you give. When you give, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. For the first thing is, God is the one who is the recipient and the, the uh, ultimately the recipient of our giving. Our giving is an act of worship. That particular, um, well, if we, if we look at Deuteronomy 16, it says, they shall appear before the Lord, um, they shall not, sorry, appear before the Lord empty-handed, an important not there, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God has given you. So, um, and, and indeed, later on in Corinthians, Paul talks about the fact that giving should happen on a first day of the week, at the, at the, um, at the Sabbath, there's an element of, of everything that we give is to the Lord, and it's an act of worship, because he deserves it. He gave all that stuff on the cross, it comes back to the cross, he deserves it, giving is part of his nature, and now we need to give back to him, and it's part of our act of worship towards him. Amen? Got that? Okay. So, we look then at verse 12. Um, just to warn you, if you haven't worked this out, we are going to be flipping around a little bit. So verse 12 says, Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give it according to what you have, not what you don't have. So key piece here is our giving should be in accordance to our means. All right? Now, there will be a little bit where I'll put a little bit of caveat on that, but our giving should be according to our means. And this scripture is very clear that... That is the expectation of God that our where, that we sh- He's not asking us to do something which we cannot finance. He's asking us to do something which we can, and it should be in accordance to our means. I mean, it should also be systematic and methodological. Method, I can't say that now. Methodical. Um, I said there uh, on the first week. So this is First Corinthians sixteen. If you look in First Corinthians sixteen, it says on the first week of each week you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. So we should be in a habit of giving. It should be intentional. It should be systematic and method, method, methodical. And I've said before, actually, from our point of view as, as, as a church and for the board of trustees, knowing that people, if, you, if you're setting up direct debit standing orders, it's really helpful because we can then budget much easier. God is saying in this this scripture the budgeting at home budgeting in your own lives about making sure that you are putting aside something to give is something that he's really encouraging you to do and we as a church we find our budgeting becomes so much easier if it's really if we can have a look at what's income is see it's regularly and then we 
we can budget with that. We can't really budget if, if we're not sure if from week to week how much we're going to get. So it's really helpful to have standing orders. Um, but even though I've said that, I said I'm going to put a little bit of a caveat on this. Um, there is occasions where God may ask you to step out of it in faith. So verse 3, sorry, go back again, Chris. Um, For I could testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and did it of their own free will. So there are occasions where God may ask you to stretch yourself a little bit, but you need to be really clear that God is asking you to do that. Okay? The thing about faith, and God wants us to do everything in faith, the thing about faith is if we just, just do what we can just do in the natural, it's not really faith, is it? We need to step out a little bit on a limb from time to time. And so there are occasions that God may put on your heart to give a bit more than you, you naturally can afford, be out of a step of faith. But in those cases, you just have to be really clear. You have to give it to the God, to God that that's the right thing to do. Um, it will be the exception by the rule. And it's something that, as you say, it's done of your own free will. It's not something that you... You know, if you're feeling, you know, I don't really want to do this, it's probably not the right thing to do because God says it needs to be done willingly. So, and that's the key thing for me, regardless of whether, uh, you know, talking about being within our means or talking about in faith, the most important thing is that it's done willingly and ungrudgingly. And verse 3 is very clear that our giving should be free. Our attitude should be that we freely give. God freely gives. His generous nature means that he freely gives. Jesus said in, in Matthew 10, verse 8, he said, freely you receive, freely give. So out of the abundance that God gives us, he's asking us to just express his heart, God's heart, by being freely give. Um, it is better um, for you not to give at all than to give grudgingly. Yeah? And that's some of the, one of the things that sometimes I think the church, with its awkward reputation of kind of, you know, come in and people asking for money and all this sort of stuff, um, can sometimes, this is a bigger church, can sometimes forget that it has to be done um, with a willingness and ungrudgingly. This isn't about twisting people's arms. This is about heart and our response and our willingness and our desire to respond to what God has done for us, that we want to give out of that love and that that impact that God has put on our lives. So it should be done happily. And our, our giving should be, you'll notice in verse 5, our giving should be according to the will of God. It says, just as God wanted them to do. Um, we need to give as the Lord leads in, us individually. On uh, the uh, chapter 9, we won't, I won't ask you to go across to it yet, Chris, but um, on the chapter 9, it talks about how God leads people individually to find the right amount to give. Um, and it's not done out of duty. And again, it talks about it's, it's done cheerfully. Um, so our giving needs to be in line with the will of God. We need to be really happy that we are talking to God about how much we should be giving. And out of that, and out of the abundance of, of our, our enthusiasm for what God has done for us on the cross and what he continues to do for us every day, this is an act of our worship, an act of, 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 of happiness. Am I saying this enough? You're getting this, all right? Have I, have I, have I laboured this too much? Right, so, um, verse 8. 
There we go. Uh, I'm not commanding you to do this. So, it should be, it is, uh, we should give us a privilege. It's not merely as a duty. Verse 2 talks about the fact that, in the previous slide, talked about the fact that the Macedonians had so much joy in their giving. Their giving was a source of abundant joy. And so there should be great joy in giving to God. Um, and we should be giving, when we do give, it reflects the sincerity of our love for other people. If you read what it says there, it says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. There is an element by how we give reflects our hearts, and it reflects um, our sincerity of our love towards other people. That make sense? Good. Um, so... We've talked about the fact that it needs to be within our means. We've talked about the fact that it's a privilege. We've talked about the fact that it should be um, something that uh, is done joyfully. But how do we go about doing it? Well, first thing to say is, although we're giving to God, clearly we have to give through human means. So, um, you know, we can't, it's not like we have money and then... God kind of has this spiritual hand that comes down and we put it in his spiritual hand and it disappears to heaven and then he does something with it. Um, clearly, our giving has to be through the work of the church uh, into the lives of the... Um, in, into the mission and the lives of the people that we're trying to touch, that we can, um, uh, you know, touch people who are in poverty and touch people who have needs and show the love of God. Um, so... Uh, Matthew 6, verses 2 to 3, it says, The Lord Jesus wants to, well, he said, When you give to the poor, so he talked about when you give to the poor. So he wants us to practice benevolent or charitable giving, uh, first of all. So giving to the poor is clearly a key part of what we must do. But also he goes on to then say, But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your father, who sees what you are doing, doing in secret will reward you. So we need to be giving benevolently. We need to be practicing charitable giving. We need to be uh, giving, uh, and we'll talk a bit about the need to give to the church and why that's important in a minute. Um, but we need to do it with the right heart attitude. Doing it in secret promotes the right heart attitude in us, doesn't it? Because it means that we're not going to look how much money I've got. But it also promotes a healthy... Um, a healthy mindset in other people as well. If you are seeing somebody giving a lot of money at the front, and you'll be going, God, I wish I had that much money to give, you know. Or, or it might make you kind of go, well, maybe I'll give a bit more than them because I want to, I don't know, outdo them. It doesn't create the right mindset. So what we do as a church, we, we do have this, actually there's no baskets up here today, um, but we normally have the baskets here, but we also have these other ways of giving online, the ability to do it through the church office. There are a number of ways that we can do things, and it's done so that we can encourage you to give privately and secretly, if you like, so that you are able to do it in wholeheartedly in the way that feels right to you, and also it doesn't put your brothers and sisters into a, a mindset that we as human beings can sometimes have a tendency to move to. Okay? Um, and, and then I just want to pick up uh, the key thing from, I'll, if you go through to the chapter 9 bit, um, this is the last bit on, on these things here, these verses. So I just want to talk about the fact 
probably verse 6 said it best. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, and the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. In the uh, wonderful topsy-turvy world of the kingdom of God, um, there is something uh, which is not logical, which is the more we give, the more we get back. You can't outgive God. Okay? And um, we, we in the world, we, you know, we need to budget, we need to think how much is the right amount to give, but we do have this sense of, well, if we, if, if we give too much, it's going to be an issue. I want to give more, but I can, you know, um, you know, am I going to be overly stretched? But the reality is, it, it says quite clearly in Scripture, Jesus says it, and it says it here, that the liberality of our ble- of well, the liberality of God's blessings to us is connected to the liberality of our Christian giving. I'll say that again. So the liberality of God's blessing to us is connected to the liberality of Christian giving. So we need to get into this mindset of having to give. Um, where the more we give, the more God will give back. I'm probably pushing my time now. Um, so, moving swiftly on, we'll move on to, I think it's important to talk about some of the basis of tithes, tithes and offerings because uh, tithes are uh, is a language which is uh, very much a church-centric language, um, and um, it's not necessarily something that people have a, a very good understanding of. And it's important sometimes just to remind people of the biblical position on on what tithes are. So, the Old Testament refers to tithes and offerings. Tithes literally meaning a tenth, so a tenth of your income. And when you read through the um, Old Testament, it talks about your ten percent and then offerings on top of that. So tithes isn't your fullness of your offerings, you have tithes, and then you have offerings on top of that. It comes from uh, Abraham's um, uh, coming across this person, Melchizedek, who, as we understand it, was um, a a priest of the Most High, it says there, and um, we find in the New Testament that Jesus was uh, a priest of the order of Melchizedek. So there is an element here that we have, got somebody that Abraham is, meeting who reflects God and he has this very clear response that blessed be Abraham God of most high creator of heaven and earth praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand that's what Melchizedek said and Abraham responded or Abraham responded by giving him a tenth of everything now um, there is a funny there is, there is a whole kind of theological thing around this where you get people talking about is this part of the law isn't it part of the law I would suggest that it probably actually isn't important, but either way, um, it's worth bearing in mind that even though this was pre-Mosaic law, that Genesis 26, um, this is God speaking to Jacob. Um, It says, Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my law. Statutes are written laws. So clearly Abraham did have a law which um, he, he lived by. And as the, the tithe is quite high on what Scripture talks about, his, some of his acts that he did. He clearly, there was an aspect of this being legal. But he didn't do it out of a legalistic response. He did it out of a heart response. Yeah? So the, the, the whole essence of tithe and where it comes from anyway comes out of a heart response rather than a legalistic response. And then when you look at what Jesus said, Jesus stood by the concept of tithing. He said, 
This is in Luke 11. He said, what sorrows await you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe. Even the tiniest thing come from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important thing. So Jesus was very clear that tithing was uh, an expectation. So where does that leave us in terms of New Testament? Could we live by grace? As I said, and why this why I started with the cross, this isn't about oh, 10% is the legal requirement. This is about us responding to the generosity of what Christ has done on the cross and continues to do through his Holy Spirit. So what that 10% then becomes is a guide, if you like, for what would be, a, in my view at least, is what would be a bare minimum. You know, if you, if you do have to ask the question, say, well, well, you know, what is a, a minimum requirement that I think God would want? Well, he's kind of set down this 10% as being a, a, a kind of a guide to us around what we should expect to, as a minimum. And some people tithe more than 10%. Some people double, double tithe. They, some people... Um, and I'm not suggesting you do this unless God <laughs> clearly tells you to, but so, you know, there are people who tithe 90%. I don't know, mad, but, 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 you know, and God has blessed them through it. And you will find people, you can talk, I know people talk from the front about people who have, um, have given a certain amount of money and it hasn't, for instance, been quite 10%, and they think, oh, I really ought to give a 10%, so they've upped it, knowing that it could be a challenge on their finances. And, you'll, and time and time again, you'll hear testimonies from people who did that. And um, by the end of the month, their bank balances have been better than they were when they didn't tithe. It's this example of giving, and God gives you back more. Now, I want to be very careful as I come to the end of this, that... Um, I've given you loads of information there, and I've tried to give you the heart of God in terms of giving, but I'm, I want to emphasize grace towards people here as well. So I know that I'm in a privileged position because I have a good job and all this sort of stuff. Not everybody does. And, and for lots of people, it is a struggle to make ends meet. I, you have my entire, um, entire grace towards that. I'm, there's no judgment here. Some people do struggling, that's the realities of life. And I don't want to be standing here and telling people who are already struggling to get by, you know, that, that they're not giving enough. That's not my heart. I'm just trying to set out some biblical principles around what God says is good standards by which to live your life. But the Bible is very clear. Jesus, well, the Bible is clear there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. When I started, I prayed about, this might be uncomfortable, but there is no condemnation. There is only challenge, and there is only growth. Challenge in a positive way. Our Father in heaven wants us as his to grow. He doesn't want us to get um, overwhelmed with the stress of life. He wants us to trust in him. And so this is not about, do not, if, if, if you're not meeting these standards, don't condemn yourself, because there is no condemnation but pray about it. Talk to God. Ask him how much in your heart he wants you to give. And that's the important thing, that you can reach the right place in your heart. But I would encourage you very strongly to look. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying, it, it, again, it, it's and in response to his love, I would look at the 10% as a minimum. But that's in love and in grace to all of you. 
And it's not a legal requirement, I'm going to say, thou shalt, but can I encourage you to look at least at that and to pray about it. If you are not tithing regularly, 10% of your income, please have a look at that and consider. The original, um, um, I was going to mention this and I realised I haven't put it on my notes. The original purpose of tithe, by the way, when it was put into the law in the Old Testament, I forgot to mention this, was really to, for the benefit of the priests in the church. So that is about, these guys didn't have any income, didn't have any way to get food, and so all of their food and their financial provision came through the tithe, which was from the rest of the tribe of Israel. So the, Levitic, the Levitical priests benefited from the tithe. And that's kind of the modern day, if you like, modern day we have people like Christian Angie who spend their time um, running the church for us. And the tithe is uh, largely there to help us finance that and to bless them and to help them enjoy it. If you are struggling with finances, and all of this is you're just going, oh no, everything's on top of me with finances. Can I encourage you, we do have the CAP Centre, Christian Against Poverty. If finances are a real struggle to you, it would be wrong of me to not mention them because they are gifted and trained in how to uh, pull people and help people, not pull people, that's the wrong, wrong way of putting it, but to help people to manage the finances and pull us out of poverty uh, and get you back on a, on a sustainable path. So I'm going to leave you with this. Sorry, it's, it's, um, it's done a bit, but um, I'm going to leave you with this. So this is verse 9 from what we know. Come back one. Um, it's gone too far again. I know, oh, that's okay. So uh, this is the end of this. I'll just read through this. But I want, this for me is a fantastic piece of scripture. This is how giving ends up. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from your ministry of giving. The needs of the believers will be met and they will be joyfully expressed their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with a deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has for you. Thank God for this gift of wonderful words. Isn't that amazing? So what we're saying here is that if you give, there's a, thing, you put a, there's a scripture, isn't there? The, the, and nobody puts a, a, a light in, under a table. They put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house so that uh, people see your good deeds, but they don't give you praise. They give praise to your Father that is in heaven. Your giving, people, that will result in people thanking God and praising God. I love that. That's so cool. And... Um, it says there that they will also find a deep affection in praying. When you give to people, when you give to people who are believers, that will, the response in that is that people will pray more ardently for you because they appreciate you. You're sharing in love with them and you, know, you have sacrificed something of your, your own finances to help them. So I love that. I wanted to leave you with that. Um, final slide. So it's not about legalism. It's about love, passion, and generosity. God's love, passion, and generosity, and us reflecting that. You can't outgive God. Amen?